When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me are my fellow hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. What happened to that motivation, Daniel? No, it was real abrasive last time, remember? <laughs> <laughs> he needs to settle down. Hi, bit. everyone. Jeez. <laughs> right, so today we're going to talk about Resident Evil Outbreak File 1. I thought we were going to talk about 4. No, that's much later. We got to stay canon. In order. Canon light. <laughs> Four oh, is canon. But not in order. But you just said canon. <laughs> we'll get there, I promise. And when we do, you can stand atop your mighty hill of four. Oh, no, you won't allow me to because I suggested we do four episodes of Resident Evil 4 <laughs> so I could just sit and talk about it for four episodes, but no. You're on your, what, 999,000 ridiculous playthrough do you even number bro <laughs> yeah because the other day she was like i'm playing resident Evil 4 right now yeah yep. I, I was he messaged me and i said tough shit i'm playing for <laughs> well on that note uh oculus quest 2 is uh short in route here for uh us to play resident evil 4 vr and uh we may uh yes. twitch stream it make daniel play and then we'll twitch stream it <laughs> can't make me do anything (laughs) but anyway let's go ahead and dive into outbreak file one so daniel you got a synopsis for us yeah this will be the summary of the game so for resident evil outbreak file one it was the first resident evil game with multiplayer capability which was awesome thinking about when it first came out well it was one of those earlier playstation 2 games that when PlayStation 2 didn't have a lot of internet capability. Yeah, yeah. This one had online and multiplayer. I played by myself. <laughs> I don't know how to take that, whether you just didn't have internet or <laughs> friends. I didn't have friends. Wow, Daniel. <laughs> I'll admit it. No friends. Anyway. All right. Using the PlayStation 2's online network, which we just vaguely discussed. Up to four players could participate simultaneously in one scenario. Alternatively, in single-player mode, the player is accompanied by two AI-controlled characters. Which, with the most AI-controlled characters, is not fun without player characters. Well, that and the AI characters tend to make a lot of mistakes. Let's waste your items for you. Yes. Outbreak introduces the virus gauge, which limits the amount of time players may spend on a scenario. 
The virus gauge rises at different rates for different characters and increases rapidly if the character is attacked or crawling on the ground. The game lost all online play capabilities for the USA servers in 2007. The, Jap the Japan servers stayed up finally, or stayed up, but finally went down in July 2011. Boo, bring it back. <laughs> I remember the virus gauge. Were we told that we could play this online? Yes, we were. If you go to our Discord, um, there is a walkthrough how-to video on how to play this online still with your friends. However, it is not a room where you can go and search for random people. You do need a team of people to join you. But you can do it because the game is available on Steam, uh, and there's a whole mess of things you got to jump through to do it, but you can do it. See, Ariel, now you can play with friends. You have us now. I need friends still. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't help you there. Oh, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> That's what I got. <laughs> All right. So what's next for us? Let's talk plot. Yes, let's do. So Resident Evil Outbreak takes place over five scenarios, ranging from the beginning of the outbreak to the moment when Raccoon City is destroyed by the United States government. The connections between scenarios are usually unclear. Wow, great. So we're uh, an RE lure cast that tries to connect all the canon for all the fans. And um, yeah, the scenarios are like, well, but actually, <laughs> thanks. So Outbreak is the first scenario of Resident Evil Outbreak. Huh. Imagine that. It begins in the bar room of Jack's Bar and ends on Main Street, unless the player completes the Escape the Zombies and Survive ending. So the plot for this scenario is, eight people are drinking at Jack's Bar on September 24th, in spite of news reports of increased violence in Raccoon City. These eight people are Kevin, an off-duty police officer, Mark and Bob, two security guards, Jim, a subway worker, George, a doctor, David, a plumber, and Alyssa, a freelance journalist, and Yoko, an umbrella employee with amnesia. How convenient. So I'm going to dive in real quick here. For everyone looking for the canon connection here, September 24th was the first real day of the zombie outbreak in Raccoon City, which is where we start our Resident Evil 2 and 3 scenarios as well the bar staff will and cindy are preparing to lock up when a man walks in and bites will on the neck before collapsing from blood loss will succeeds in forcing the man out the survivors split up and one group head upstairs with bob who later kills himself to prevent mutating into a zombie Police officers Arthur and Raymond Douglas call out all civilians to evacuate the area, and the group jump into an apartment building to meet up with them. Though Arthur is killed by zombies, the group is able to move through the streets with Raymond, but they are unable to get to the rendezvous point. Raymond is killed by zombies, who are themselves killed when a petrol lorry explodes. The group makes their way into a storm drain and exits at the Apple Inn, where they meet Dorian and two more survivors. Dorian is unable to drive them far in the police van due to barricades blocking a residential area. 
the group walks past Raccoon Mall, where they discover an ongoing police operation to destroy Main Street and kill hundreds of zombies with bombs. The police operation turns sour when Eric and Elliot are killed, forcing the group to assemble the detonator themselves. The bombs go off, killing the zombies. Soon after, police reinforcements arrive to secure the area, and the group leaves on Dorian's police van. And that is the plot for the outbreak scenario. So that's just one. That's just one. That's the beginning. Yep. Holy crap. So the next scenario is called Below Freezing Point. So... Below Freezing Point, known as Below Zero in the original script, is the second scenario in Resident Evil Outbreak. It takes place in Nest. An umbrella researcher in the facility moves backwards to a large capsule before being shot by a female colleague. Meanwhile, Yoko Suzuki leads George Hamilton and Alyssa Ashcroft to the facility's escape tunnel at the bottom of the lab. As they come to, the gate to the facility is closed. The same researcher opens the gate, unknowing of the survivors. As they cross the passage, Yoko is nearly shot by the researcher, who reveals herself to be her longtime colleague, Monica. As they exchange words, Monica steals Yoko's ID card and flees to escape, all while Yoko sees her carrying a large attache case. They follow Monica shortly after. When entering a ventilation shaft, the survivors decide to split up. Later on, using a chemical, they manage to kill a plant blocking the stairs to the upper floors. Monica is attacked by an unknown creature while trying to use a turntable to escape. Moving up to the B4F, they discover the same turntable but the entire floor is frozen and the lift won't move. Reacquiring her ID card on the floor nearby, Yoko goes back to a previous corridor and uses it to open a shutter. As she was a previous researcher in the facility, she is granted free entry into the following room, discovering what happened to the researcher in the beginning. He has turned into a zombie. In the same room, they find a blowtorch. Going back to a previous room, they use the blowtorch to melt the ice covering a lever, switching it on. This not only unfreezes the door and the lift, but also a series of hunters that are encountered as frozen statues earlier. Ooh, now it's getting good. As they rush back to the lift, Yoko uses a key dropped by Monica into a nearby panel to activate the lift. As the survivors defend themselves from the hunters, Monica reappears with the capsule in her attache case broken. She loses consciousness. As the lift arises with Yoko, Alyssa, and George on the locomotive, Monica rises from the ground and her chest bursts open with a G larva, presumably injected her into herself when she was attacked before, killing her instantly. The larva makes its way up the lift. As the lift reaches the top, the larva opens a hole with its incredible force and grows to a 12-foot-tall complete G. Again, the survivors must fight, and they make use of the locomotive to hit the creature. 
When the creature is finally dead, they board the locomotive once more and push on. So a lot more happens in that one. Holy crap. There's a lot to each one of these scenarios. There is. So the third one is the hive. The hive, known in Japan as Den, is the third scenario featured in Resident Evil Outbreak. It takes place predominantly in Raccoon General Hospital and the sewers below. Three survivors take shelter at the besieged, though largely abandoned, Raccoon General Hospital. Dr. Hirsch walks in on them in room 301 by accident and suggests they leave the building immediately. With power to the elevators having suddenly gone out, Hirsch leaves to turn it back on. He is attacked by leeches drawn to a zombie bite on his arm and is used as a vehicle in which they can assume a humanoid form, also known as the leech man. After that, the team took the elevator to floor one. Once there, they went to the office and grabbed the part of memo file, which contains the Carmine code. Then they went back to the elevator and took it to B1F. When they get to B1F Passway, the leeches are on the control panel. By the time the team killed the leeches, the leech man appears. They use the blood infusion pack on the floor to distract him. Then they quickly return to the panel and input the code. They exited the room immediately and took the elevator to B2F. Then they went to the B2F Passway took the last blood infusion pack and went to the fixed temperature experiment room. The leech man appears and they spill the blood infusion pack into the floor to distract the monster. When they got to the safe chamber and set the controls too high, the leech man dies from the intense heat. Sweet. So we have leech barbecue on our hands. Gross. Once the leech man was dead, the team sets the temperature to low and finds the card key level 2. They use the card key to unlock the south door to the underpass entrance. They need a key for the padlock. After obtaining the card level card key level 1 from the examination room in 1F, unlocking the south door in the BF1 passway, using the card key, and found the chain key in the waste liquid disposal room. They removed the chain from the boat in the underpass entrance. The three got in the boat, and he started it. Something was blocking, so they got out and the boat crashes. There was a massive leech hive, along with the queen leech. After defeating the queen leech, they escaped the sewers. Lots of keys, lots of leeches. Yeah, I can't help but think they revisited the leeches because of Zero. Or because of they liked throwing them at Ariel. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's because they know I hate leeches. I do I do like, in all seriousness, that they revisited the leeches during the Outbreak Files, though. I could have gone the rest of my playing days without having more leeches. Oh, come on. That just sounded gross. Anyways, the fourth scenario is Hellfire. Hellfire takes place throughout the rooms of the Burning Hotel in the Apple Inn. 
It is infested with liquors. This scenario includes the only appearance of a suspended, which acts as the scenario boss. Four survivors found themselves surrounded by a horde of zombies as they run into an alleyway. They became trapped when they find zombies at either end. With nowhere else to go, they chose a third way, a door leading away. Oh, what a great choice. <sighs> Meanwhile, two firefighters, Len and Charlie, inspect the boiler room of the Apple Inn. After the boiler shows signs of a malfunction, the two retreat, but are too late to avoid an explosion caused by the boiler. The ensuing damage to the building forces the structure to lean over the door, blocking the three survivors within the inn's courtyard. As the survivors travel around the burning hotel, they run into various zombies, liquors, and dying or already dead hotel visitors. When the group reach the Apple Inn's front lobby, they fight a half-transformed liquor known as Suspended, which appears to be a zombie liquor hybrid. Soon after the Suspended's death, a firefighter breaks open the door and helps all of the remaining survivors out of the Apple Inn. The firefighter will have a talk giving hope to the survivor and after that will remember his fallen comrades. And that is Hellfire. I like the introduction of the new liquor, to be honest. The suspended. Suspended. It, it, it gives us a different look into the liquor because we, you know, we've only ever seen the liquor as its complete state. We've never seen mid-transformation or any of that up until this point. So, the last scenario is called Decisions, Decisions. Decisions, Decisions, known in the Japanese script as Determination, is the fifth and final scenario of Resident Evil Outbreak and takes place in and around the Raccoon University in the last hours before Raccoon City is destroyed. At a rescue station, which appears to be the RPD Underground Garage, George Hamilton sees a note from his friend Peter Jenkins asking for his help at the university. A few hours later, George leads a group of two or three other survivors into the university. The survivors find Peter, killed by a gunshot to the back of the head. His notes suggest that he was working on an antivirus called Daylight, which eliminates the T-virus infection from the body. A drug synthesizer is said to be located in the third floor lab and the survivors spread out to locate the three components necessary to generate the antivirus. Meanwhile, a team of mercenaries from the Umbrella Biohazard Countermeasure Service encounter Thanatos, an experimental tyrant created by former Umbrella researcher Greg Mueller, who was instrumental in creating the Daylight Antivirus as a means of combating the T-Virus. Meanwhile, the UBCS operative Nikolai Zinoviev tries to obtain a blood sample from the tyrant, shooting it with a capsule designed to draw blood into a vacuum tube. The creature resists and quickly annihilates the groundside UBCS team before heading back indoors. 
after the survivors are able to disable Thanatos by luring it under faulty wiring, the capsule falls, enabling them to retrieve a full of tea blood, one of the three components. The search for the V poison leads the team down through Raccoon City's subway system and into an emission tower populated by a wasp colony. A pre-collected sample of their poison is recovered on the top floor. The P-base, a sample of the unaltered progenitor virus, which T derives from, is found in a water processing facility deep under the university, where hunter-wise are kept. When finally synthesizing the vaccine, the power to the machine is cut. Looking around 3F, they are confronted by Greg. The scientist introduces himself and discusses having them killed by Thanatos. Greg is then shot through the head by Nikolai, allowing the survivors to escape with the daylight sample. Nikolai starts the timer of a series of charges planted around the university. The harried survivors reach the courtyard as the university is destroyed and a rescue helicopter circles around to pick them up. Before it can descend to reach them, however, they are forced to deal with a Thanatos, which survived the explosion and has mutated into a 12-foot-tall super tyrant. They either kill it with firearms or find an ampule shooter that rests on an abandoned M8 Greyhound armored car and use it to fire a dose of daylight into Thanatos R. If the latter is chosen, the antivirus reacts with its contaminated blood and kills it spectacularly. The helicopter then rescues them and they escape the city as it is bombed, but the daylight in hand and hope for the future. Those are the scenarios, but let me briefly talk about the endings. Outbreak has a total of 40 ending cutscenes. Holy crap! Yep, with all eight characters having four endings each based on how the final level was played. In the hopeful ending, the player is cured of the T-virus infection and is able to provide the daylight vaccine to the world. In remorseful ending, the player is cured, but they have no sample left to prevent another outbreak. In Chopper Zombie, the player has not been cured of their infection and attacks the firefighters on the helicopter. <laughs> A special ending also appears for online players, allowing certain pairings of uncured characters to have their own ending cutscenes. There are only four basic versions, Kevin Jim, David Mark, Cindy George, and Yoko Alyssa, but the player character of either will hear their own character's monologue, making 16 total special endings. They really put a lot of thought into this one. They did. I mean, it was a really good game. Mm-hmm. And that... Whew, that is, is all I have for the plot. <laughs> that was all just plot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. So when we come back from a mid-break, we are going to dive into our Easter egg section. And we're going to discuss our characters and B.O.W.'s. Where well, here we are in the middle of the show. 
So, Daniel, what have you brought for us this week? Oh, are we starting with me? No. I'm not good enough now to go first? (laughs) You complained for so long about going first. Hey, it's my time to shine now, Ariel. No, you know what? Ariel, you go ahead and go first. No, it's Daniel's time to shine. Yeah, that's what I just said. It's my time. (laughs) I'm going to talk about something that's related to the game we're talking about as far as the outbreak style. Okay. So there is a Resident Evil card game. Yes. Which I own all the expansions for. <laughs> that I'm going to steal from you? No, I will let you play it, but you won't steal it from me. So they made an expansion for Outbreak years, okay. years ago when they made it. But since we're talking about Outbreak, I'm going to talk about the expansion. So it adds 150 cards. You do need the base game to play it, but it does add 150 additional cards. There's another storage ba- box, which each box has artwork on it. So usually it has a lot of the characters that's in the game, so it's it's still a cool display piece, even if you don't play the game. Ariel. I want it. You can play with two to four players, and it only takes about 30 minutes to play, and there are different difficulties that you can set it at, which increases how much damage you take mm-hmm. or how much health the, the enemies have. No, this is a deck-building game, right? Yes, okay. it's a deck-building game. So Amazon has the expansion on its website for $49.99 and that is before shipping unless you have Prime and if you want to find it on there you want to look up the Resident Evil deck building game expansion Outbreak but if you do not have the that game or the base game you'll have to get that first which you should be able to find it through that search so we will provide that in the discord in the show notes and on Twitter and on Twitter <laughs> okay so, Ariel, what have you brought for us? I think it's your time to shine now. But no, I'm good. I know, you always go last. <laughs> so, I read an article, thought it was interesting, and wanted to share it. So, I have an article from Screen Ramp that I wanted to talk about. The article's title is, Capcom's Resident Evil Rules Are Going to Hurt Netflix's Movie Reboot. And their rule is no major characters from the series can die. So. They uh, they can use the characters, use the creatures, blah, blah, blah. But they, the main characters cannot die. And they are speculating, people are speculating, that it's going to hurt the movie reboot. Because... People like death, essentially. So they're speculating in the article that because people can't be killed because Capcom wants to protect their canon storyline that people aren't going to come and watch these films. Yeah. And see, this is why I wanted to talk about it. I don't necessarily agree with that. I I don't know. You can have a story not kill off any of your characters and it still be an amazing story. And I don't know. I just feel like I don't think it would hurt it that much. I mean, if we look through the Resident Evil games as our reference point here, they don't really kill off a whole lot of main characters. And yet we all love the games Indefinitely, I mean, we we do a podcast about said games. 
So I don't think people, when they hear Resident Evil, run to the movie theaters with anticipation to watch their favorite characters die anyway. They're, exactly. They're wanting that Resident Evil story. They yeah. want to see the game in action. It, they Exactly. They want to see their favorite characters represented on the big screen, live action. They want to they want to see Hollywood special effects with it. I mean, that's what you go to see Resident Evil movies for. You don't go to see Leon killed or Rebecca offed. <laughs> I would never go see a movie where Leon is killed. Although, I mean, I did technically play Operation Raccoon City. That's not the point. I did not choose the Leon getting killed ending. Yeah, I kind I kind of have to agree with you. I mean, Devil's Advocate, I can see where they're coming from at Screen Rant. You know, we we do like that inevitable mystery of who's going to survive. Oh my gosh, is this the moment where they die? Oh, nope, they came out. You know, we love that kind of adrenaline rush when we watch movies. But you don't go for that adrenaline rush when you go to watch video game movies. I mean, you already know what's going to happen if you've played the games. For the most part, with a lot of these movie portrayals. Yeah, but Hollywood has a knack for changing everything. So it's not like exactly like the game. Yeah, yeah. So I could see them trying to kill somebody off and Capcom being like, no, no, you can't do that because you have to have this. But Hollywood's like, no, it has to be different from the game. It's our story. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can play Devil's Advocate all day. But what it really comes down to is diehard fans of a system like Resident Evil, like a storyline like Resident Evil, they don't go to the movies to see their favorite characters killed off. They just don't. They go for big screen representation. That's all there is down to it. I mean, there may be some fans out there that are like, I'd like to see an alternate twist ending and, you know, things like that. And that's fine. But there's not many. So I have to agree with Ariel on this one. Surprised you actually agree with me on something. <laughs> so for my topic of choice today um it's real simple real quick if you are looking to pick up resident evil 8 if you've been waiting to pick up resident evil village wait no longer because black friday deal has been released by walmart now we all know if walmart releases it everybody else is going to try to follow suit but for the xbox series x and s they are doing a $20 deal. That's 60% off of the original cover price of Resident Evil Village. So if you are looking to get your hands on it, that is the time. Grab it on Black Friday. And I will say it is a fantastic game. We're not discussing it yet. <laughs> but before we come back from our break, I'd like us to take a moment to thank our patrons. So we have our patrons, Anthony Bellotti and Wolfslore. Not to be confused with Toasty. Of course. <laughs> so we just want to give a heartfelt thank you and let you know that we are making some severe changes to all the tiers on the Ari Lurecast Patreon. It's been a slow-go process. I have been caught up with so many different things. Uh, but now that we're 
flushing out all those other projects and details, I can finally focus on the Patreon and we're going to add some merch designs and discount codes. We're, we're going to add all kinds of crazy stuff to it. Chop, um, chop. Chop, chop. <laughs> so just stay posted if you're a patron. And if you want to join our patrons, um, our $25 and tier and up, get to join us once a month on our patron episode, which our next one is coming up pretty rapidly. Um, and so far, we've only got one patron joining us. Um, but if you want to join us on our patron chat, you can head on over to arelurecast, uh, patreon.com and choose your tiers there. They've got a bunch of stuff and you'll hear soon. We'll have the tiers updated. But anyway, let's get back to our show. All right, so we are at the end of the show. So what do we got next? Characters. Woo-woo. So we're going to go over a brief synopsis of our characters. So characters, we have eight. Huh. Imagine that. I know. (laughs) Like I'm repeating myself. Huh. So we have Kevin Ryman, David King, Mark Wilkins, Alyssa Ashcroft, Cindy Lennox, Yoko Suzuki, Jim Chapman, and George Hamilton. George Hamilton. George Hamilton. (laughs) Has to be my favorite. Just because of the name. (laughs) And those are the characters in Outbreak File 1. And we're going to go over those in more detail in the next episode. I was about to say tomorrow, but it's not going to be tomorrow. No, it'll be next week. (laughs) But at any rate, who do we have for our new B.O.W.s, Daniel? You don't want me to list off all the B.O.W.s? I mean, you can. We'll go in depth with the new ones next episode. All right. So I will list these off. And in previous episodes, you can find out more details about the specific B.O.W. if it's an older one. Mm-hmm. So we, of course, have the zombies. This is your run-of-the-mill Brian's. common zombies. Aaron's favorite, the crows. <laughs> We're going to say that every time, too. Um, a new one is the scissor tails. We also have the hunter R. The G in quotes. <laughs> the giant moth. Liquors, of course. Leeches. Some of Ariel's favorite. Ugh. Leech men. It's it's leech man, but I wanted to pluralize it there. <laughs> the giant leech. The zombie dogs, otherwise known as Cerberus. Wow, I wrote liquors twice in here. The suspended, which is new. The wasp. Thanatos, which is new. The hunter Y. Neptune. And the giant spiders. Also Ariel's favorite. Of course. That is what I have for the B.O.W.s between this Outbreak File 1. So not a whole lot of new ones to add to our roster, but some returning fan favorites. That's for sure. Ariel, Giant Spiders. Aaron, Crows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, why don't we go ahead and dive into our Easter eggs? Now, before we get ahead of ourselves here, 
There wasn't really too many Easter eggs in Outbreak File 1, but there are some cool things that they kept out of the game. Um, there's actually a lot they kept out of the game, and that's surprising as much as they had in the game, especially with 40 different endings. So the first thing I want to go over when we're talking about endings is the fact that each character has their own level. Um, some of them have unique secrets and cutscenes too, if you accomplish certain tasks. So the first one is Mark is, his level is Outbreak, in which his friend Bob is infected and you can help him to the roof for a special cutscene which changes depending on the difficulty you're in. You have Yoko's is Below Freezing Point, where she talks to Monica. Cindy's uh, level is Wild Things. Jim's is Underbelly. He can crawl through vents and enter special room in that one. That's his special thing. Uh, Alyssa is flashback. She gets cutscenes detailing how she investigated the, ho the hospital in the past. Kevin has desperate times, and you can see a cop driving it to RPD in the ending cutscene, which a lot of fans have kind of stipulated that it probably Leon driving in the first time because the cutscenes match up with the timeline of RE2 events. We have David, his is end of the road. And we have George, is decisions, decisions. Um, in that, George makes comments implying that he knew the female liquor in Hellfire. And the end boss can change depending on your choices within wild things. So that's a cool one. Um, you can, if you don't escape on the train in Underbelly, you can escape via some... You can escape via some type of tower instead, which is pretty cool. Um, and the AI characters have personalities. There's another different Easter egg. Uh, sometimes they don't get along with the other AIs, depending on how they feel about them. So that's a little snippet you can hear in the background. That's all I want to hear is two AIs arguing with each <laughs> other. <laughs> um, there's a different ending on fl in Flashback. Depending on whether you kill the Axeman in addition to Dorothy. Um, so that's kind of our differences. Some little secret things. In addition to that, um, here are some fun facts. Kevin's model, they originally had to alter it quite a bit to avoid a lawsuit from uh, none other than uh, Tom Cruise. His original model was too close to that of Tom Cruise's appearance. Why would you complain about having a model of yourself in Resident Evil? Well, see, they he didn't. He didn't even know until Capcom came out with that in the statement. So Capcom was just kind of like, let's not take any chances. <laughs> um... Here's here's a, a little fun fact about Kevin, too. Uh, Kevin is an alcoholic. And he... We get this from a couple things you find in the bar. One of them is... One of the special items is a credit slip that has him... His tab on it. It just says he owes a tab amongst other names. Um, the dart score that you can get upstairs also says that he often plays darts and loses when he's drunk. And another little thing is Kevin is actually blacklisted from that bar that he's seen drinking at because he does not pay his tab. 
So, bad Kevin. <laughs> um, here are some things that were removed from the game. Uh, these are unused character models. Um, we have Mark, and a lot of these were UBCS, uh, like Mac, Matt. Those are two of the UBCS confirmed because you can actually see. If you manage to get backdoor it, you can see them in their uniforms. Um, we have a female character, Mary. We have Gary, who is an old man. Yes. Um, you have Jake, who is a young, looks like a professor or a doctor. And you have Kate. Now, Kate is one of my favorites because there is a little bit of snippet about her that says that she was supposed to be involved in some relationship with a character in the game. And she was turned into our hanging liquor our special liquor. Um, and if you actually can see the character models and you can go on uh, YouTube and Google and find pictures of her, her character model actually looks extremely similar to the liquor. There, in addition to those characters being removed, we also have uh, removed locations or scenarios. Um, the first one is the raccoon pier scenario. And there's even a character in that, uh, Clint. And he was a character who, you know, kind of had a life vest on and everything else. So they almost had that thing completely finished. Um, we have the day in the raccoon motel level, which actually was in a lot of the advertisements. It never made it into the game. And we have streets of raccoon city, which was literally just this you roaming around the streets. Um, and there's nothing more than a couple background photos for that. Um, we have, in addition to all of those, we have some character references to go over. So in the bar, you can find Barry's bottle, which is, it says in the description, it's a bottle he was saving for a special occasion. Um, you have a silver frame photo stand, which is a picture of Sherry and Annette. You have Chris's x-ray and medical charts that you can find in the hospital. You have Ben's passport in room 104 of the Apple Inn. And you have a hotel register, which actually has Claire Redfield's signature. So those are little tie-ins in the canon universe and where it takes place. A couple other things that were removed were Hunk's team was actually supposed to make an appearance here. Um, you have Derek, Miguel, and Conrad. Um... They didn't quite get in, put in. Some people stipulate that it was supposed to be another scenario because there's actually an incomplete model of William Birkin. So that would have been pretty cool to run as a scenario. Um, and the last thing I have is Yoko's backstory. Now, throughout the entire game, we don't really get a whole lot on Yoko's backstory. But if you pay attention... Um, to a secret text combo. If you have your captions on and you are with Yoko and Linda, Linda will begin to talk to Yoko about some things. And there was actually a secret text conversation that will scroll that basically says uh, that Yoko donated her base cells for the T-virus. And Greg reversed or basically wiped her memory. So she couldn't remember any of it. So she's actually directly responsible for the development of T-Riders. 
Um, and there's a couple of little snippets you can get if you get Yoko's lab coat, um, her backup glasses, and her nameplate number two. You get a couple little more brief pieces and glimpses into her past. But that's what we have for Easter eggs. That was a lot. It was a ton. Um, but there wasn't really any so much. It kind of disappointed me. There wasn't so many Easter eggs as much as it was like content that was removed or not added into the game. All right. So that's all our Easter eggs. And that is all our time for this episode. So next episode, we're going to dive deeper into our characters and our B.O.W.s. So until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye there. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and a review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. What up tonight, City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. What are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Alteris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Eh, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.